You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Tuesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Had a lot of fun with Dwayne Wade last hour. He's got a new book out. If you miss any of the interviews on this show, go to danpatrick.com. Coming up, we'll talk to Dan Shaughnessy. has a new book out as he looks back on the Larry Bird Celtics and some of the great stories from the mid-80s. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. At this point of the season, Mondays are almost as important as Sundays for some teams. That's because these teams get the MRI results, and every team gets to find out how bad the damage is or was the day before. You know, the Packers got good news. Running back Aaron Jones, he's going to miss a week or two with a mild MCL sprain. Steelers found out that T.J. Watt, no structural damage in his hip and knee despite a scary-looking injury on Sunday. Uh, The news not as good for Washington as Chase Young. He'll miss the rest of the season with a knee injury. This is just week 10. The only thing we can predict for sure about the rest of the season is health will be one of, if not the most important storyline. The Bucs have stayed healthy. Uh, they stayed healthy last year. They won the Super Bowl. This year, not as much. They've been waiting for Gronk and uh, Antonio Brown. They still have time to clean things up. But we're at that time of the year when a team's future might be affected greatly by what happens on a Monday MRI as opposed to what happens on a Sunday. The Rams, last night, you go into San Francisco and somehow couldn't stop the run again. That's five consecutive wins for Kyle Shanahan versus the Rams, and they do it by running the football. You know, when you're running it 25 or 30 times, a lot of times you just keep running the football. You may not get big numbers, but you keep pounding away, pounding away, and then you loosen up the defense. And it takes a toll when you're out there that long. When you're running the ball 33, 34, 35, 40 times in a game. And this is a defense that's not predicated on stopping the run. They didn't put any pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. And as a result, 49ers got a convincing win. You also had a situation with Matthew Stafford throwing a couple of uh, first quarter interceptions. Here is Sean McVay. Uh, saying that uh, after the uh, bye week, they're going to be back. We'll look inwardly. We're going to figure this thing out, and we're going to come back freaking swinging. I promise you that, all right, uh, these last seven games of the regular season. All right. They got a bye week, and then they got Green Bay. You're going to come out swinging, and you go to Green Bay. Still got to win this division. You can talk tough. You got to play tough. And uh, going to Green Bay, you better be able to stop the run. Yes, McLovin. You've wanted uh, a team to be contrarian and just go run, 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 run in today's NFL. Is this the year that a team like that wins a Super Bowl? Well, that's why I love the Titans this year, because they improved their defense. I thought Julio Jones would have a larger impact, and you run the football. Because once you get to the playoff, all you have to do is get there. Now you have to match up with us. If you play 10 times against a team, you may beat that team eight times. But in the playoffs... It's just trickier. And and we've seen that where teams kind of counterattack what you do. Control the ball, play good defense, run the football. And that's what I loved about the Titans. There's nobody like the Titans. Now, the Cleveland Browns, I think, are trying to be like the Titans. They just haven't had their running backs healthy. And that defense, where's that defense? That's been non-existent. And I think when you look at the playoffs, who's built for the playoffs? They're baseball teams. Baseball teams in particular, they're built for the regular season. 
but they're not built for the postseason. I go back to the Seattle Mariners when they won, what, 116 games? And they got to the postseason. They didn't have that number one, number two starter, in my opinion. And you got to have that. At least back then you did. Now, not the same. But, you know, these teams that are built for, we're a really tough matchup for you. Mismatch. And uh, that's why I like what I see with the Titans. Uh, Sunday night, it'll be the Steelers and T.J. Watt going to Los Angeles against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. That's Sunday at 7 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. It's about time the Chargers start acting like a playoff team because these games, you can't be losing these games at home. And they look average right now. Yeah, McLovin. I got to tell you, Ben better be off the COVID list because if I have to watch Mason Rudolph oh, in a standalone oh, game again. Oh, that's not fair. Like Mason Rudolph is not the future. No offense. No, no offense. He's just not the future. That's where you, if you're a Steeler fan, you go, okay, Ben's not the future. Mason Rudolph's not the future. Um, who is the future here? Dwayne Haskins? Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a starter, I feel like, someplace next year. Not San Francisco. Do we want to play the Jimmy Garoppolo game Ooh. of where Jimmy is going to be next year? A little early. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, let, let's be ahead of everybody here. We'll go around the room where we think Jimmy Garoppolo will be next year. I'm going to start with Todd Fritz. Miami. Okay. That's a good guess. There's a lot of QB stuff swirling around there. There's the Sean thing doesn't look like it's okay. happening. They're not into Tua. It's time uh, to all right, all make right. a splash. All right. Um, Seton O'Connor, Jimmy Garoppolo will be where next year? Your Houston Texans. Ooh. Okay. Two spicy choices so far. McLevin. So I see him as a bridge quarterback. So he will replace Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater in Denver. Okay. Paulie, where, where do you see Jimmy Garoppolo? Based off almost no reasoning, the Carolina Panthers. Based off almost nothing. Mm. Okay. Well, I think everything that we're basing this off of is based off nothing. Not less than mine. Oh. <laughs> where is Jimmy G next year? Yes, McLeod. How about Washington football team? They got to play somebody. Yeah. They're, yes, technically you're supposed to play a quarterback. You don't have to. You could have Ronnie Brown and it could be the Wildcat. Um, how about this? Jimmy Garoppolo is in San Francisco next year. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here is uh, Kyle Shanahan, the Niners head coach, after the win last night. Last night. I think we've taken a lot this year personally, so I want to just say taking something personally is what leads to that, but we were very embarrassed about last week um, in every aspect, and you know, which we have been at a few things this year. I don't know if that's what leads to that, but uh, we definitely played our, our best game all around. Okay. The question was, did you take this game personally? <laughs> I hope you take every game personally. Like, what, you're going you're gonna to coach harder here? Because why? The, the Rams are getting all this love. You guys are struggling. I'm not sure I understand the context of, do you take this personally? You guys have owned the Rams. 
You won five in a row against the Rams. Yes, Paul. Dan, I forgot to mention this, but Sean McVay, the coach of the Rams, did not pull a, you could put this one on mm. me, it's all me, mm. blame me. Mm. He actually went uh, against the grain and blamed the players. Oh, well, he had this to say after the game. Robert's a very important player. You know, you never replace him. It certainly didn't help not to have him, but uh, I don't want to use that as an excuse. We didn't play well enough. Uh, we didn't make enough plays. Our best players didn't play up to their standards. All right. We, our best players. Okay. Because what I drew up was actually flawless. <laughs> it was it was just perfect. The he execution to, really comes down to it. Yeah, he told him to catch it. He didn't tell him to drop the ball. Yeah. I'm sure in practice he never told him to yeah. have one of those drops. Yeah. He didn't tell Matt Stafford to throw it to the Niners. That's on Matt. That's not on uh, Sean McVay. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., the third, had this to say after his Rams debut. These moments don't divide you. You know, they bring you stronger and closer together. And um, I'm happy to be here, you know, just over the bye week, be able to get in the playbook and really try and learn every single thing possible. You know, it's quick, but I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. All right. I don't expect anything out of him. And if he does give you something, great. He's not Robert Woods. Robert Woods is far more valuable, I think, to the Rams than Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be. But Von Miller, to me, is the one who could be a difference maker. Because I expect more out of Von Miller if when he's healthy. He didn't do anything last night. But that can make that defense even more formidable. But Odell Beckham, all right. I mean, people forget the number of injuries he's had the last two years. That's tough for any player. But do I expect him to come in and light things up? No. Do I think he'll have pockets? Yes. Uh, I, I hope that he's not blamed for his lack of production, you know, second half of the season. And plus, you know what's crazy? When you hear the backstory of Odell Beckham, because he wanted to go to Green Bay, then he wanted to go to Kansas City, the Rams, Saints, and, and this is all happening, it felt like 11th hour. Now, I'm getting this through somebody uh, who his team was involved in this and said, you know, we, we thought we were getting him, and then we didn't know. And then we were told another team, and then it was another team. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, the Rams? And I think that that was what was interesting here. Is he all in on the Rams? Did he take the Rams because it's L.A.? Did he take it because more of the business opportunities? He has a house there in the Hollywood Hills. Uh, did he want to go and spend the second half of the season in Green Bay? Did he want to go to Kansas City? Did he want to go to New Orleans? Uh, the importance of the players who were pursuing him on the Rams. I don't know if it was a slam dunk that he just said, that's where I want to go. Now, I know I, he's been infatuated with Sean McVay's offense for a while, uh, not just this year. But yeah, I, just, I wondered that about, did he really want to go to the Rams? Did it make the most sense for him? Did it make the most sense football-wise? Or was this more of business-wise that incorporates you know the football angle as well? Yeah, McLovin. Isn't it funny that Robert Woods got hurt the next day? The Rams would have been much more desperate for him, probably paid him more. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. never could have seen that. I don't think there was any hint of Robert Woods being hurt. Uh, Noah Syndergaard is now a Los Angeles angel. He... Signed a one-year deal, $21 million. He last pitched in 2019. He had Tommy John surgery. Um, he's 29 years of age. Um, I think that's, that's about it. 
Is there more to the story? The biggest part of this story is really us related. Noah Syndergaard on social media follows our show, and yeah. and he sends nice notes all the time. Yeah. Now being on the West Coast, he Ooh. could listen to us driving into work. Okay. All right. Morning drive numbers are. I like that. Yeah. Yep. I like that. You got to own the quarter hour. Yeah. Right, Seaton. Yep. Yes, Todd. Is it halo <laughs> and goodbye to his relevancy now that he's an angel? Yeah, got the angels, the halos. I mean, it's not as good as that was a crotch with the uh, the catch. No, by the defensive back. That's kind of, that was kind of a standalone with his morning. undercarriage last night. Oh, we could ever hear from him ever again, other than him sending notes to the show as far as a baseball player. It's okay. Player. I mean, he was in our March Madness bracket challenge. Like, I, it's okay. I'm glad that he loves the show and he sends notes all the time. Yes, Paul. New poll question. Which second best team in a major market would you most want to play for? <laughs> Mets, Angels, White Sox? White Sox are better, but they're from a fan interest. Okay. But do you put Florida in there? Do you put Miami and Tampa? Do you put the Miami Marlins in there as a second? I'm capping it at uh, Angels, Mets, White Sox. Within the city limits. Okay. Yes. Are Clippers not even, they don't even make that poll? Is that the... Uh... Different sport. Yeah. But I, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying, though. Oh, okay. Just baseball. It's a good... All the Clippers are in the shadows. So well, let's... Why don't we expand this to all teams, the secondary team in a market? Yes. So the Jets secondary to the Giants? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Chargers, Rams. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Jets are, no, no, they're not even close to the Giants. Like you, people have waited decades to try to get Giants season tickets. Nobody's doing that, I don't think, with the Jets. <laughs> are the Nets still the secondary team in New York? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a buzz. You know, when the Knicks do well, it takes over the city. The Nets, nobody cares. Even for one game in a row. Yes, they beat the Hawks one game <laughs> in the playoffs. We're back, baby! Yeah, they, they, they storm the streets <laughs> like you have grown men taking their shirts off. Like that's, How do you celebrate a Knicks playoff win? Let's get naked! We're tied 1-1 in a first-round series. <laughs> yeah, against the Hawks. Right. Woo! Yes, yeah, Todd. And just screaming about Trey Young's receding hairline for hours on end for the one win they got. Yeah. And their playoff hopes were receding after that, too. Thank, oh, there you go. Thank you, Todd. I knew, thank knew you, you had something in your Let's pocket. take a break. More phone calls coming up. Back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically. There's no limit on how much you can earn. And that's amazing. Even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. We did the math. 99% of the places in the United States that take credit cards take Discover. So, when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing the word yes more often. I was in Monmouth, Maine. They took my Discover credit card over the weekend. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. Discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations like Todd apply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. More phone calls coming up. If you missed Dwayne Wade last hour, go to danpatrick.com. I love the story about Kobe. Kobe was guarding him and he started just whistling as if, I, I, you know, I'm, you're really not in my stratosphere here. Like, they're on the court and he's just sort of going, da 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 da. Dwayne's like, man, he doesn't respect me at all. 
Go to danpatrick.com. You can hear that entire interview. He's Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe. And uh, he has a new book. It's called uh, Wish It Lasted Forever. Life with Larry Bird. Celtics now available online wherever books are sold. Really disappointed in you, Dan, with this book. Because I wish it could have lasted forever. It, it, it's a shorter book. Like, I breezed through it. There were so many great stories. And I kind of went to the end. I go, damn. You know, I needed more out of you, Dan. You let me down. Well, that's really nice of you, Dan. And thanks for, for going through it. And Bill Walton, of course, named it, and Bill really wishes it lasted forever because we know his career could have been so much more, but he had this one gift at the end of his career, the 1985-86 season, where Bill Walton comes to Boston. He got 80 games in. That was it. He played 10 games the next year, and then he retired, and, you know, his feet fused and all that stuff. But Bill said, he said, you know, envy the thesaurus when you write this, Dan. He said, this is like, I wish this could have lasted forever. Everything was great. You cannot overstate how great this was. Hey, this is a hop back in the way back machine. It's, you know, you watch the NBA today and I sometimes long for the eighties. I was there when Larry and magic came in in 79, kind of rescued the league. And then of course, Michael comes in in 84 and leading up the dream team. But this was, this, this jumped out at me, Dan, during the pandemic, you know, when, when, you know, we're seeing the, the ESPN classics and 30 for 30 on Celtics Lakers and, and here in Boston with no games going on, they're running eighties classic Celtics. And it's all we had. And, I keep seeing my 30-year-old self sitting at the table back in the day when they, they allowed the lowly media to sit in those seats at the nail cell for $5,000. So we were there. And uh, we had access that is never going to be replicated. We were able to tell the readers and the fans what these guys were like. It was a very fascinating, magnetic team, a talented, Bird, McHale, Parrish, DJ, you know, five Hall of Famers. They went to the finals four straight years. They were fun, and we lived with them. I mean, Dan, you know, Hotels, buses, airports, waiting for bags, flying commercial. Uh, this was when, when the reporters went to the COVID bubble in 2020, they had to sign a waiver saying they would not approach anyone if they saw him away from the facility. That's who we did all of our best work. I mean, the moat has gotten so wide here in Boston. We don't know what's going on with Smart and Tatum and Brown because nobody can get near them. In those days, we could tell you they're mad at Fitch. They don't like what the coach is doing right now. They need to change their Casey Jones, bring him on. That kind of thing. It's nobody's fault. It's evolution, the way things have gone. But that was kind of what motivated the book. And thank you for perusing through it and getting some of those fun stories back in your head. Was it a 30 for 30 or a last dance? Could you see that possibility? I mean, it's a shorter time frame with, with these guys and not as successful. But I was, I was wondering if there's enough. It feels like with the stories you tell. And there's a little more drama, you know, woven in there. But... Do you yeah. think there's a last dance feel to the uh, the Celtics of the 80s? I always do. I mean, again, the personalities were so strong. One thing, because I went from that Celtic team, yeah, they were 50-1 and one at home, Dan, the last year, 50-1 and one at home. And I went to Major League Baseball to the Red Sox clubhouse the same wow. year as a beat reporter, and it just struck me how different it was, the climate in there. And I got Bruce Hurst in the book to talk about that because, you know, he almost won the seventh game of the World Series with those 86 Sox and – they were a sour bunch. And he said in general, baseball was a sour bunch because Bruce Hurst knew the Celtics because he was friends with Danny Ainge. They had played Major League Baseball uh, together and against each other. He would come to practice. He knew McHale. He knew Bird. He knew Parrish. And he said, he said, in our clubhouse, you know, we harbor personal feelings and there's insecurities and we compete against each other to get to the big leagues. It's kind of ingrained in the culture. He says those Celtics, they were so secure in their own greatness there was none of this. Who's getting more touches? They had fun. They had fun at practice, competing against each other. 
They knew how great they were. And this all comes out, you know, the kind of trash talking you're talking about with guys whistling. And I mean, Bird, that's Bird walking into the three-point contest, the first one ever, and saying, which one of you guys is going to finish second? I mean, that's Bird telling the New York Knicks trainer, he's banking three-pointers during during warm-ups before Knicks game. And the trainer said it was Saunders. He said, you can't do that in a game, Larry. said, if you give me five bucks, I will. And then he, he banked one in at the end of a game and ran down by the bench with his palm out looking for his five bucks. I mean, he was pool hustling during the games. Uh, the story about Xavier McDaniel, is that true where Larry, after a timeout, tells X what he's going to do? Yeah, Jackie McMullen tells that one really well, which is, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then he would do all those things. I was uh, there was a game in Portland. He was doing that. It was near the end, and he said, "You better get somebody over here." They were getting ready to inbound. They weren't listening. He pointed, and then he took the ball. He drained a three, and then he pointed again, coming off. He said, "I told you what you should have done." <laughs> that was just you know. Quinn Buckner told me that he could. There was a game called Knockout. And, you know, just two guys shooting around in a gym, and Quinn said. He could, he could knock your ball away from the basket and make his shot with the same ball. He was playing basketball and pool at the same time. <laughs> what if social media was around? I'll tell you, it changes a lot. And again, not in a good way, in my view. I mean, there was a level of comfort with those guys. I didn't make plans. Let's go to dinner. Let's go have drinks. But you would bump into each other, and it was okay. So, in fact, one night, Larry picked up the tab. But it was like a total eclipse of the sun. I couldn't believe it. But <laughs> most of the time, it was just casual and I think that that casualness is lost with social media and they don't need us anymore. I mean, we're totally, yeah. nobody wants to talk to us anymore. I understand that they got, you know, social media, they got TikTok, they got whatever they got and, you know, connect, they got the players journal, connect with their own fans. And uh, we're just, now we're old guys, but back then we were all the same age and uh, the money wasn't as great. We lived together. The moat wasn't there. And there was a little bit of trust, but still there were times I had to violate that trust when Larry got in his barroom fight messed up his hand for the playoffs and he wasn't too happy about that. That's just the job. But that's the tricky part that I've mentioned on the show. I got too close to Mark McGuire. I got too close to Jason Jones. Yeah. And you still have to cover them. And I just, I made it a point that I was never going to allow myself to get that close. Was there any part of you at that time that you want to be close to him gives you access, but can you report on everything you're supposed to report on? You can't do both. And again, you don't need to be talking about how, how many beers somebody had the night before the game, unless there are no condition to play, in which case we, we would talk about it. McHale had a pack of guys who would drive down from the Iron Range. There was no team in Minneapolis, but there was a team in Milwaukee. This Winnebago would park outside the Hyatt, and when the Celtics were going to play the Bucks, Don Nelson wanted to hire a suite for these guys because they would take McHale and Bird and Buckner and those guys out. There was a game where – the, the Bucks. it was a noontime start. Think about that in Milwaukee. And the night before, on a Saturday night, the Minnesota crew from, from down from the Iron Range got all the Celtics wasted, and they got beat. They got beat badly, and McHale shot a donut. I think he was 0 for 8 or something. And Casey Jones knew enough not to yell. Everybody knew what had happened. Casey put his arm around Kevin and said, those guys aren't coming to Chicago, are they? We can't have this happen. <laughs> and McHale, when I talked to Mikhail about it, he said, just hearing those names, my liver starts hurting. Just hearing those names of my friends who come down there. Well, didn't the Bulls cheerleaders buy Bird and, the, you know, a Roby and those guys beers one night before a playoff game? And, and, and the Celtics won, and Larry walked off the floor and said, thanks for the beers with the – I, I, 
I cannot attest to that one. And Roby was Roby was traded for Dennis Johnson, by the way, which was he got a Hall of Fame guard for Rick Roby, who played about 10 games after that. But he was traded in part because he was Larry's running mate at night. And that was a, it was a dual purpose trade to get Dennis Johnson and to get Roby the hell away from Larry Bird. And it, it worked on both levels magically for everybody. Weren't they the, were they the Bru, uh, Bruce brothers or the, what is it? Buckner they, and Roby and Bird. And I thought they had a nickname for uh, their crew. There were a lot of nicknames. I don't know that one, but they, uh, uh, they, they, they socialized and, and there was, you know, they had all been great college players at the same time. Larry was always jealous of, Roby, because Larry wanted to go to Kentucky when he was in high school, and Joe B. Hall didn't think he could get a shot off in the SEC. Instead, they get Rick Roby, who was even slower, but they won a championship <laughs> with him. And uh, Larry, anytime we'd be out, you know, and somebody would come over from University of Kentucky and shake Rick Roby's hand, Larry would say, that's the first time Rick Roby ever shook hands, didn't have a $20 bill in the other hand. <laughs> We're talking to Dan Shaughnessy. The book is Wish It Lasted Forever. Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. That'll be your reaction after you read it. You'll wish that it lasted longer. Uh, available online wherever books are sold. I didn't understand, or I wasn't aware of the kind of um, the undercurrent there with Cornbread Maxwell and him and Kevin McHale, that Kevin takes his role and, you know, Cornbread Maxwell, you know, almost to the detriment of the team, uh, you know, just wasn't the same player, didn't care as much as uh, he did when he was starting. The curve on Max, I mean, he was he was the man when the Celtics were bad before Bird and Mikhail and Paris, all those guys got there. You know, when Havlicek was finishing up and they got bad in the late 70s, uh, Max was the guy. You know, he, he had been a Final Four player in North Carolina, Charlotte. He comes to Boston. He's the man. All of a sudden, these guys start coming in, and his touches went down. And his shots went down every year he was in the NBA. I mean, every year Bird comes in, then Mikhail comes in. Maxwell, Bill Fitch takes him aside and says, who do you think is going to be guard the, the, the scoring forward of the other team now? That's going to be you, Cedric. You know, you're no, no longer the offensive force. And he got his job done incredibly. He was clutch. He's the MVP of the finals in 81 before, you know, when Bird's his second year in the league. And the MVP is Maxwell. And then in 84, Maxwell scored 24 points in game seven against the Lakers. It was his high game of the season was game seven of the finals. He never got 24 all year. But that game, he said, hop in my back, boys, we'll bring it on home. He outplayed James Worthy. He got inside their heads. He was the guy. Unfortunately, he hurt his knee after that. And that's where the transition comes in, where he can't play anymore. McHale goes from six man and starts playing. McHale gets 56 in one game against the Pistons. And Max goes, I don't think I'm going to be starting anymore. <laughs> and that was it. And, and, you know, there was questions about how hard he rehabbed. There was a little bit of hard feelings about that. But, I mean, hey, Maxwell, his, his number's up in the Raptors. And, and he's, he's, one of, he's one of the great voices in this book because he just tells you the truth about everything. If Bird had stayed healthy. Well, I think you get a few more years, but he played hard. And guys who play like that, the careers, I mean, we see it in baseball all the time, but it's just it's hard to have a long career. You're diving on the floor. McHale didn't dive on the floor, but McHale played with a broken foot in the 87 finals. So those injuries, really, by today's standards, they were together a long, long time. They went to four consecutive finals together. They were in five finals. They won three championships. And Red always thought he might have kept them together a little bit too long and, and ran through it longer than he should have instead of making deals. So they, by today's standards, it's still a long run. You know, Larry's from 79 to 92. That's still a pretty good run. But again, it's not LeBron James doing what he does now. Yeah, but, and, you know, and then you had Lenny Bias dying, uh, Reggie yeah. Lewis. Like they, they, Red had it, so the transition was going to be pretty smooth where the whole 
you know, the, the youth movement coming in was going to be able to handle any athletes they were going to face with the Lakers or Pistons or Bulls. Yeah, Red knew his team was getting old when they won the championship in 86 and they went 50 and one at home. No one's going to do that again. So he also ends up getting the best player in the country because he had traded Gerald Henderson, a starting guard, two years earlier, thinking Seattle was going to go bad. The lottery came in. They got number two. They got Len Bias. It was all teed up. Len Bias, Red used to have counselors at his summer camp. Bias had been a counselor for a couple of years, so they knew exactly what they were getting because Bias had basically been working out for him for two summers. And, you know, Rick Carlisle had played with him in the ACC. Everybody knew what they were getting with that guy. And then, you know, he drops dead the day after the draft, cocaine intoxication. And the Celtics never recovered from that. It was They didn't win again until 2008 when Danny Ainge was the GM. So it, 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 broke, it broke down. McHale had to play with a broken foot. Too many minutes for Parrish Bird. Walton's all done, and it just it started to crumble in the late 80s. When I was working at CNN in New York in the mid-80s, and I would get to come up for the NBA Finals, and I'd get there, and if it was that Sunday and the game was played later on, and I'd go in there when Larry was shooting, I'd just sneak into the building, and I would just – it was cathartic. I loved hearing the dribble, and I loved hearing the net. And he never knew I was in there, but I went in there a couple of times and I was worried that he was going to see me and then, you know, he would stop or whatever it might be, but no one's in there. Just somebody rebounding for him and you just dribble, 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 dribble. And it was just, it was wonderful. It really was. Yeah. That was a a routine at the garden. About four, four thirty in the afternoon. I was an early guy. I'd set up early. The garden would be dark be a little bit of light by that court. The, the, the equipment guy was Joe Cotato. Larry had come out. He brought him to Indiana when he went there and loved this guy, the equipment guy. And uh, Larry do the perimeter. And I'd be setting up in my Stone Age computer porter bubble on the sideline right next to the bench when they used to let us sit in those seats. The lowly riders had those seats next to the bench. And Larry, you know, he liked to break chops. He'd come over. And uh, if he missed a shot during that thing, he'd say that the bull gang set up the, the rims, something wrong with the rim. You know, otherwise that never that would have gone in. <laughs> And uh, he'd come over and he'd say, what are you working on, Scoop? And I'd say, well, I'm doing an early edition newspaper story about your free throw streak. He was coming up on Calvin Murphy's 88 consecutive free throws. I'm like, so don't miss one in the first half because this paper's going to go up to Maine. It's going to look stupid if they open it up tomorrow morning and you miss (laughs) when I'm writing about the streak. This is how it works. Sure enough, first half, he goes to the line for two and the foul line is lined up right where we're sitting if he looks over he makes the first one. He looks over and winks at me between free throws. And then, of course, makes the second one. So all was good. But he was always thinking about these things. It's like paying off a bet in the middle of a game. He was doing two things at once. I sat down with him when his career was over. And I went up to Boston. And Brad Lohas said, hey, if you want to get on Larry's good side, bring him up a cooler and a six-pack uh, six of beer. And so I stopped and got a cooler that was like $3, and I got a six-pack, and I said, uh, here. And he goes, what is it, a fish? And I go, no, it's, it's, it's beer. I said, Brad Lojas told me to get this for you. He goes, can I, can I keep the cooler? And I said, yes, you can. It was a $3 cooler, styrofoam cooler. And I go, I don't think it helped me with the interview, but it was just, you know, that was the mentality of Bird there is like, all right, beer, cooler, can I have it? This is all right. I'm good with this. That was the mentality. He used to go to matinees after practice at the Greek Orthodox College. They practiced in Brookline. would say, Larry, how come you go to matinees? He says, it's cheaper, cheaper in the <laughs> afternoon. So, yeah, he meant it. Uh, by the way, how strong is the Mac Jones love in uh, New England? Oh, my God. 
You are all over. I mean, I loved it from the start. They couldn't have known, you know, he would outperform all the other quarterbacks to this stage. He was 19 for 23 the other day. They've won four in a row. They got the Titans game. They got the you know, Atlanta this Thursday, and then the Titans are coming in here. That that game, I don't know if that's going to get flexed to the prime time or not, but that's a it's a big deal now. This feels really good, Dan, because it's it's different and 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 it wasn't expected. It's it's ahead of schedule. And rookie quarterback, we all know Bill hates him, and he's made a feast off him over the last twenty years. So he's got one of his own now, and they're managing it. It's really fascinating to watch it, it, it evolve. Congrats on the book. And I meant when I said I wish the book was longer. It was uh, that good, telling stories and uh, you know taking a trip down memory lane. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Take care. Uh, Dan Shaughnessy, the book is uh, Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics, uh, available online wherever books are sold. Yeah, it's one of those, it's just, you breeze through it. You, you'll read it in an afternoon. I get uh, two, 250 pages, maybe a little less than that, but if you love that time, the NBA at that point, and Bird, the Celtics, and, you know, Shaughnessy has so much detail there that, you know, they're you know, taking notes and so many stories. And it, it just, we really feel, you know, he puts you in the moment there. So it's really, really well done. A lot of fun. Uh, we'll take a break. Last call for phone calls, what we learn, what's in store tomorrow. We're back after this in the Dan Patrick show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine until noon Eastern six to nine Pacific on Fox sports radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, podcast or wherever you get your podcast two three four last call for phone calls what we learn what's in store tomorrow this day in sports history final results of the poll question warriors Nets, 76ers in the jazz coming up tonight lakers milwaukee that tomorrow night todd that i believe is tomorrow night yeah whoo i don't know <laughs> the Lakers on the road here. Yeah, maybe they win a game like this, but uh, Lonzo Lonzo goes seven for ten, and uh, the Bulls the Bulls look good. And they they they're, they're competitive. I don't know how bigger picture here, but Zach Levine, uh, Demar Derozan, Lonzo, Caruso, all right. Did you guys, do you know who the Bulls head coach is? <laughs> do you know? Paula, you, you're from Chicago. I you, still don't know it. <laughs> I, I was, in my mind, it's still Tibbs. I no, know he's been going. No, this is a guy who, uh, he, he was very successful in college. Yes, Todd? Billy Donovan. I Billy think. Donovan, yeah. Was it Jimmy Boylan was the guy yeah. before? Somebody like that? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you forget that uh, he's the head coach there. But they played well, played well. Uh, Barry in Long Island is back. Hi, Barry. What's on your mind today? Hey, Bear. Hi, Bear. 
Uh, Ryan in Honolulu. Hey, Ryan. Hello, Dan. What's on your mind, Ryan? Doesn't Fritzy have enough conditions without adding the limmer yips to the list? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Oh. Yes. I've got a couple of limericks for you, Rams versus 49ers, and a flamerick for Fritzy's lamerick. Okay. <laughs> Rams' pants were pulled down in San Francisco. Let me see their thongs like Cisco. OBJ and Von Miller were looking vanilla. Rams buy players like they're shopping at Costco. <laughs> Cisco reference. I had a hard time following that, but anytime you get the uh, thong song with Cisco, I'm good. What else do you have? Yeah. I knew rhyming with San Francisco was a risk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, and then we got the Fritzy Limerick. Todd's Limerick started out fine, had rhythm, and began to rhyme. But just as we expect, it turned into a car wreck. Todd up mess final, the last line. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Ryan taking shots at you, Todd. Really is. But you know what's nice about him? Because he's sensitive, like maybe like minutes afterwards, after the show's over, he'll like send me like a note on social media going, <laughs> you know, it's just for fun. We're just, I'm just playing around. You know, I love you. And you inspire me to try to be creative on the show. I like that even Ryan in Honolulu has to be like, yeah, no, Todd, it's just content. Yeah. Yeah. True. Everybody knows. Almost every day he'll send me a note saying, yeah, I was just joking around with you. I hope you're not. Yeah, because we know that this ruins your day. And God forbid something happens on a Friday, it ruins your weekend. The entire weekend. Yes. And Ryan coming in with the flame rick. Yeah. Instead of the lame rick. Dang. Uh, this day in sports history, Paulie. Got a few. In 1957, Jim Brown of the Browns uh, set the NFL rushing record of 1,163 yards. He did it in eight games. God didn't even need the whole season to do it. Uh, Bill Russell of the Boston Celtics had 32 rebounds in a game, the first half of a game. That's the all-time record. He ended up with 49. Yep. President Nixon in 1969 became the first president, sitting president to attend a regular season NFL game. Uh, Cowboys at Redskins, 41-28. Let's see. Oh, Roger Clemens in 1998 of the Blue Jays became the first pitcher to win five Cy Young Awards. Hmm. On this date in 2003, a 16-year-old Lionel Messi... Oh, makes his official debut for FC Barcelona. Oh, Messi. Oh, Messi. He's the, He's the best. He's the GOAT. Oh, Messi. <laughs> uh, you know, we were talking about Larry Bird, and, you know, Bird would go out and have beers, and the, the fact that they traded Rick Roby just to get rid of one of Bird's drinking partners, you don't hear of athletes partying like that now. Like big time athletes, where it was almost part of, you know, the the folklore, the aura of somebody that you know they went out and party. Remember when Gronk? We we were all worried about Gronk being a partier, and you know he would take his shirt off and dance and do keg stands, and like that's not a big deal. You know, Brady has one day out of the year when he wins his Super Bowl where it seems like he gets liquored up. Is there a big time athlete? that lets it be known that he's a partier. Like Johnny Manziel might be the last of that group. Because these guys now are probably doing edibles. You know, nobody's going out doing heavy drinking, health conscious. <laughs> yes. Doesn't LeBron have like an NBA wine club or something where they all just oh, yeah. like have fine vintages? That's yeah. not partying. I mean, well, I mean, it's not like, like Larry Bird with a six pack. It's a yes. Yes. Guys wine night. Yeah, it's, Guys like, wine night. it's like a book club. 
Yes, Todd. I don't know if it's a big party, but who went to the strip clubs and loves the wings there and can't get enough of those? What doesn't? Well, James Harden. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that they put Harden's jersey up in the strip club. <laughs> That's Lou Williams. Did yeah. he just have a? Who was it that just got the whole Magic City thing? Was that James Harden? And Lou Williams. And Lou Williams. Williams. Yes. Yeah. Well, he likes wings. Yes, Paul. Dak Prescott's the Cowboys quarterback, and this this is not the '90s Cowboys no. anymore. His big sponsorship is Sleep Number. His his goal is to get a great <laughs> night's sleep as a Cowboys quarterback. Yeah, but <laughs> imagine Michael Irvin saying, "Hey, man, I can't wait to get a good nine hour sleep." Well, if if Michael Irvin was doing Sleep Number, mm. it might be a different. <laughs> you could fit a whole. Yeah, the Sleep Number that he would have in there. It's like uh, seven. So far, mine's twelve. What's your Sleep Number? Whoa. Seven. Seven people, huh? <laughs> Get a good night's sleep. Hi, I'm Michael Irvin for Sleep Number. <laughs> you know how many people you could fit in here? <laughs> <laughs> they say, what's your sleep number? I said seven. I can get seven people in this bed. <laughs> Mike doesn't do that anymore. Playmaker. Mike, yes, he was. I still I love that story. When Dion goes to the hotel and, and, and he just joined the team and Mike threw a party for Dion. He opens the door and he sees Mike and there's a bunch of women there. And and Dion goes, I I don't live like this. <laughs> I gotta roll. <laughs> you had to leave. I, I don't live roll. like this. I don't live like this. <laughs> and and Mike tells the story. You know, Mike laughs at it, but you know, and Troy wasn't a partier. It was just there were there were a few players on the Cowboy roster that. And then you go back to a previous generation with the Cowboys. Uh, you know, when Don Meredith, Pete Gent. You know, they uh, they had some fun there. Kenny Stabler, when he was with the Raiders and then later with the Saints. Yeah, Paul. Imagine if Ken Stabler played for the Las Vegas Raiders Ooh. instead of the Oakland oh Raiders. Oh, God. He'd be dead by halftime. Yeah, well, any of those Oakland Raider players that if they were playing for the Las Vegas Raiders back then, whoo. Uh, let's see. So you gave the final results of the poll question? No, I did not. Okay. Who would you want to start a uh, team with, KD or Steph Curry? 57% Steph. Okay. Not a wrong answer there, but if I'm – Steph's an attraction. Like, KD is just, you know, he's a – he's going to kill you. I mean, it's just going to be every single night. Same thing. Steph, you know, there's a little bit more fascination coming out to see him. Let's uh, go around the room what we learned on the program. I'm going to start with you, Todd. Former Jets coach Rex Ryan does not want to be compared to current <laughs> Jets coach Robert Sala, and Sal's willing to take it outside if there's a problem. I like that. Uh, McLevin? Yeah, we all have to stop all the Rex Ryan Sala comparisons we've been doing all year. <laughs> I, had, I had no idea anybody was comparing the two. Seton O'Connor. Michael Jordan couldn't get into Dwayne Wade's draft party. Yeah, pretty good. Paulie Esther? Dwayne Wade was a high school football player. Todd, what I learn? Uh, we love Dwayne Wade's great, ambitious attitude. If you reach for the moon, you'll come down with a few stars. Intelligence runs in the family. Innovation runs in the family. Extraordinary runs in the family. The 2021 Mercedes-Benz range of SUVs. Every member is waiting to impress. Nice member. Learn more at MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Thanks for the phone calls, emails, tweets, the all-around support. Our great uh, sponsors as well. For Seton Pauli, Fritzie McLevin, yours truly, this has been the Dan Patrick Show.
One more item. We close out the show. Big day yesterday. Package came in. I opened it up. M-Drive, M-Drive Lean, the powerful protein supplement for driven guys who want to lose weight, look good, and perform at their best no matter what their age is. M-Drive Lean, first of its kind protein powder formulated with Morosil. That's a clinically tested blood orange extract that supports reduction in weight, waist size, and body mass. Its weight loss is backed by real science to help fuel your daily drive. Visit mdrivedan.com and try it for yourself. They offer free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee, nothing to lose. It's not easy to lose weight as you get older. Visit mdrivedan.com and try mdrive lean. Shed those extra pounds, feel better, perform at your very best. mdrivedan.com and you'll find all the great products that they have there. Lose weight, feel good. M-Drive Lean. Don't let age beat you. Visit mdrivedan.com. mdrivedan.com. Refind your prime with M-Drive. 